Let's go to Melissa in North Portland. Hey, Melissa, it's First Amendment Friday. Everything is fair game. What's on your mind? Hey, so I haven't had the chance to listen to your thoughts about DACA. And I'm just wondering, what do you think about it um, just from a standpoint and the fact that these not kids, they're adults now, right? Uh, yeah. Who are pursuing education um, or either military, service in the military. So what are your thoughts on it? Is it fair? Um, should they get to do this, considering that they're trying to contribute to society? No. no. The short answer, because I like giving short answers up front, explanation second, which is, which, which is okay. the way I wish most of the people I interview would do it. The answer is no, and here's yeah. why. We have a federal law. Now, Melissa, there are lots of laws that are inconvenient for you. They're inconvenient for me. Uh, most of the people listening to this show have run into a law here or there that says you can't build a house, you can't get that job, you can't be licensed to do this or that because of laws. But the laws are written by our representatives. If you want to change the law, if it's a state law, you go to Olympia or Salem, you persuade them to change it, and then you get the governor to sign it. If it's a federal law, as immigration laws are, you go to the Congress and you say, you make your case. You say, I'd like to change this law. Well, Barack Obama tried that, and the Congress said no. So he just took out a piece of paper and said, I'm just going to change the law on my own. Now, nowhere in the U.S. Constitution do you find the right of a president to change a law he disagrees with. In fact, before he did this, Melissa, uh, Barack Obama went out on camera and said, all of you who want me to just legalize the status of these people, I can't do that under the law, and I can't do it under the Constitution. And about a year later, he apparently changed his mind and went ahead and did it anyway, something that he had already described uh, as illegal for him to do, unconstitutional for him to do. So if you want to make it so that people who are brought here at four or five years of age or up to 17 years of age and are now, some of them in their mid-30s, should be able to stay in the United States I know, you know, you threw in that, well, these are good people. They're, you know, they're sensitive, they hard, they're hardworking, they're going to school, they're trying to improve their situation, okay? But they're breaking the law. And we don't get to break the law just because it's inconvenient for us. And so my answer is no. Now, what I'd ask you is, Melissa, all those dreamers who are illegally in our country— when they sit in a college classroom, is there an infinite number of college classroom spots for students? I think that when it comes to paying tuition, the no, no, you're dodging. You're dodging my question, Melissa. Do does every kid who there, applies to go to college find that he is admitted to college? The answer is no. You can apply well, to college, I mean, and then they say we can only let in a thousand freshmen. This I don't know how many the U Dub lets in, but I'd guess it's around a thousand. Might be a couple of thousand. And they say if based on merit, right? No, based not just not just no, not just based on merit. Based on space, the U Dub, and I could look it up. Hey guys, would you look up what's what's the incoming freshman class at the U Dub? The U Dub might say we have two thousand spots. If three thousand kids apply. A thousand kids are going to get a letter saying, thanks for your interest, but we don't have room for you. Doesn't matter how good you are. 2,300. So 2,300 kids get to start at the UW at the beginning of a, of a freshman year. 
if there are 4,300 kids who apply, then a couple of thousand kids are going to be told there's no space for you. So every time you have an illegal alien occupying a space in a college classroom, it's a space that might have been occupied by a law-abiding American citizen child or somebody whose mom and dad stood in line to come here from Russia or Vietnam or China or some other country, and they did it legally. Should we give away those spaces to people who who broke the law and whose parents broke the law and say, oh, forget about it. Don't worry about the fact that you broke the law. We're going to give you somebody else's college classroom seat. It could be one of your kids if you have any kids, Melissa. No, I don't. Okay. I'm in college, but so what I was thinking is, well, are you legally in the, the are you legally in America? I am not an American citizen. Are, are you, I didn't ask that. Uh, are you legally in the country? Yes. Okay. Now, yes, what, I'm not what, what would you, well, but you came here and did you have to go through a process to apply for a visa to come into America? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if they but had said, I, no? What? I know a lot of people with DACA, so, you know, I know their personal story and I know the struggle. So that's, and, and for me, it's important to get your viewpoint because your viewpoint is completely different than mine. Well, thank and you. And you, you just told me a lot of things that now I understand how you think. And but will you tell me how I think, would you mind telling me how do you, if you had to explain to a friend who didn't get into college and they said, gosh, I, I really wanted to go to school where Melissa's going to school. And I applied and they said, we can only let in so many people every year and we ran out of space and you can't come in. How would you explain to them that their seat was given to one of your DACA friends? To me. I, I don't under, I don't think that just one place is the only option that a person has. Well, I started a community college. Melissa, you're dodging the question because in all of America, there are not enough college classroom seats to accommodate everyone who would like to go to college. That's why people often apply to four or five colleges, and sometimes they get turned down by all of them. But then, to me, then I start wondering, why did you get turned down? I don't think that my immediate thought wouldn't be, oh, it's because there isn't enough room because of illegal immigrants taking their space. Well, that's why. I, that's what, why is your, uh, what, is, what are your grades? Melissa, How, what, Melissa, you're you dodging. You're dodging the question. That's why I started by saying, is there an infinite number of seats in college? How about jobs? Are you going to be looking for a job when you get out of college? Oh, yeah, but I'm looking everywhere. Are you? But so hold on, hold on. I don't hold, limit. Melissa, hold on. Are you yeah. guaranteed that you will find a job? I think that based on my, what I've tried to work uh, in school and how I've just proven myself to your my mer- current your merit, employers. Your merit my, will get you in. But let me ask I, you this. I, yeah. what, what, what would you say to me if someday you finish college, you go out to the job market, you apply for a job, and you find out that the person who got the job is a dreamer who has no legal right to even be in the United States and has no legal right to occupy that job because you have to be here legally to work a job. What will your reaction yeah. be when you miss out on the dream job you've always wanted to have because it went to somebody who's not even legally allowed to work in America? I, I think in this specific scenario, you are putting a lot of emotion 
No, it's I'm not just, putting any emotion on it. It's, it's very unemotional. Well, yeah, it is because you're you're saying about my my dream job. No, I'm trying to make it personal. I'm trying to make it personal it, for you because oftentimes people love yeah. to talk in theory. They say, "Oh, these dreamers, they're wonderful. They're hardworking. Blah blah blah." Here's where it becomes personal. When you miss out on your dream job because the job went to somebody who doesn't even have a right to work a job here. Tell me what your reaction is going to be. Are you going to say, oh, that's okay. I, the person who's not illegally allowed to have the job can have the job I really wanted. Is that going to be your reaction? To be honest, yeah. because I do know people in this uh, in this situation, I would be okay with that. Because it meant to me that when it came down to it, that was the the only factor that made us different. And, and the well, fact isn't that, that an important factor? Job than me. Melissa, so isn't when, isn't when that you're an, an employer? Melissa, okay, isn't that me, an important factor? No, but isn't that an important factor? But when when you're an employer, I think that you care more about who's more qualified and who. No, has I care about who I can legally hire. I care about who I can legally hire. And should well, for well, instance, would you mind sharing maybe. with us? Do you mind sharing with us? What are you studying to do? Engineering, civil engineering. Okay, and when you get engineering, you're going to get an engineering stamp, aren't you? You ever heard of those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now, yeah. what would you say if you start working as an engineer and you find out you missed out on a couple of jobs because somebody down the street, a man or a woman, is doing engineering and they don't have an engineer's stamp, but they're doing the work that oh, you... Oh, that's not, that, that's not even allowable. Well, what Wait, if they fake it? They pretend they're. They pretend. Well, I'm asking you to be an engineer. You have to have a set of qualifications, and you're studying. Yeah. You're spending a lot of money and a lot of time to get the qualifications, so you are entitled to have that stamp. So when a client comes to you and says, "Are you a licensed engineer?" You say, "I'm a licensed engineer. I can put my stamp on your project and tell you the engineering is solid." So. You understand the concept of whether you're qualified for something. Now, there might be a person down the street who knows 10 times more about engineering than you do, but they don't have the stamp. What happens when they steal your client and they do the work that they're not entitled to do and you get cut out of that job? I think that, ends up, I think that, that when it comes to, to it, I think that the client missed out on having someone, and that's their loss. But that's going to go down. Would you, would I mean, you object to it? Would you object if somebody who was no. an unlicensed, you would, if you found out that an unlicensed engineer was signing off on projects because they, ha, they don't have the qualifications that the state and the federal government have laid out, you wouldn't object to that? Well, yeah, I wouldn't be okay with someone pretending to be a, having their uh, professional engineering now, license. Now we've come back around, Melissa. These people are pretending to have the same qualifications as American citizens and legal resident aliens like you, but they don't have those qualifications. But you're okay with them getting all the wonderful things about living in America, even though they aren't qualified, just as the unlicensed engineer is not qualified, right? Why is one okay I, and the other like one isn't? I feel like they're two different conversations because one has to do with legal immigration status and one has to do with, with legal status as an engineer right? and then putting people's in, lives in both cases, in Melissa, you know? let me make it clear for you. 
In one case, the government says you are entitled to stamp a project as approved by a licensed engineer. In the other case, the government says you are allowed to call yourself a legal resident alien. In both cases, the government decides, we decide, what the qualifications are. But somehow, you wouldn't be okay with an unlicensed engineer taking your work, but you're perfectly okay with a DACA pretending to be an American citizen. I didn't say that I wouldn't be okay with them taking my work. I said that the the client would be missing out on my stamp and my expertise. That's what I said. They'd also be breaking the law. Melissa, you're a great naysayer. Thank you for the call. You've got the Lars Larson Show.